0: A few years ago, I had a friend visit from the city, from Melbourne, I came to Bendigo and we, we took that person out to dinner, and coffee, that sort of thing. And it was in the evening, summertime, just like this, and the sun was setting across Bendigo. And they looked up and they said, wow, that's wonderful. How amazing it is that today I get to be here on a day like today to see that spectacular thing happen. And someone else was at the table, someone who's a bendigo said, yeah, we get one of those like every day around here. We get to enjoy God's world in a spectacular way here in Bendigo. A lot of us enjoy God's world in that way. We don't have to live in Melbourne, we get to live in Bendigo. That's just a little jibe. We get to enjoy sunsets. We get to enjoy sunrises if we're that kind of person. We get to enjoy all sorts of things about God's wonderful world, His creation. We looked in Genesis, in our Genesis series, how God put those things into place just by His word. He spoke, oh Lord, He spoke, and things came into existence. And we get to say, how wonderful. I have a couple of friends on social media who love the creation or nature, as people like to talk about it, the natural world. And that's a good thing, and I care for them, and they care for me. And, but one of the things I've noticed is, is lately, perhaps it's always been with us, though, is, is we tend to think that's where our understanding of God stops, is just by looking at nature. Well, for example, one of my friends uh, wrote a little while ago, This person wrote, nature is beautiful and kind to me today. Thank you, universe, for bringing things into alignment. So that person, a friend of mine, dear to me, was thanking the universe for bringing things in their life into alignment. It's pretty common, isn't it? To thank the universe, or ask the universe, or talk to the universe. The only thing is, I just want to just gently say to my friend, and we've talked about this, is the universe doesn't talk back. In fact, you can't know the universe. The universe is quite impersonal. It's just a thing. It's not even like the Holy Spirit who is a he. The universe is just a thing. It's just just matter. It's just there. It's not a person. It's fairly common in our world, though, isn't it? That we want to relate. We want to seek. We want to know that someone is there. We want to know that someone is there and I could talk to them in my darkest of days or I could celebrate the sunset I get to see with them on my happiest of days. And perhaps we try for the universe, but it doesn't just stop, it's not just for those who are not believers in Jesus. Another friend wrote in the same week, when people ask why I believe in God, and they had a picture of the sunset, when people ask why I believe in God, this. Now, friends, that's a good thing, isn't it? It's it's not bad to say, well, isn't the sunset wonderful and I know God created it. But if that is our entire answer to why I believe in God is just the sunset, well, is that it? Is that it? Because those poor people in Melbourne will never see it. Friends, this morning we're in our series in the Psalms. As you can see on the banner, uh, the Psalms are the Bible's hottest 150. You heard of Triple J, hottest 100? Well, there's the Psalms, hottest 150. And we're in Psalm 19 today for a particular reason. So, over the years we looked at different Psalms. Last week in our summer series, we're in Psalm 32, looking at what it means to not have a New Year's resolution so much as a New Year's repentance, because there is a difference. Good to have resolutions but not to rely on resolutions for our righteousness, but to rely on repentance, trust in Jesus for our righteousness. That was last week. Why are we in Psalm 19 today? Because in 2023, your elders, as we pray for you, and we love you, we know Jesus loves you, really loves you. What does the chief shepherd want for us? Is to get to know him. And how do we do that? Psalm 19 shows us. How we can know God personally, more than just kind of talking into the universe, but how you can know the one who made the universe personally. And Psalm 19, I wonder if you notice this as you open your Bibles and if you've got it in front of you, have a look. Psalm 19 is in two basic halves. The first six verses talk about a general revelation. And the following verses, the second half, talk about a special revelation, And what Psalm 19, what David is writing, says this, general revelation is pretty and partial, though, because of special revelation, what's so special about special revelation? It's needed, like you need to breathe. It's needed to make sense of life. If we're going to try and make sense of life or know God just from sunsets and sunrises, we will have a problem we'll be lacking in knowing him personally. We won't know him well enough. Because here's the thing about nature, friends, and you can know this, just watch National Geographic, nature can be beautiful. What also can nature be? Brutal. Nature can be beautiful, but nature can be brutal. Google this later. Look up, just look up nature can be beautiful and brutal. There are pictures, albums of pictures of animals hunting each other beautiful pictures but it captures a moment of the last breath of that animal is being hunted now you could say well that's just nature you can't bring morality to to nature but but if we're going to establish our life our way of life and our understanding of life and make sense of life just on nature we will have a problem it can be brutal but more than that it won't make sense of our existence entirely you won't know God especially from nature. It'll send mixed messages. How can you know God personally? Psalm 19 shows us. Firstly, we need to see this. In the first six verses, general revelation is different to special revelation. So there's, there's two doctrines we're going to be talking about this morning is a general revelation, a general revealing and a special revealing. And general revelation is pretty. it's meant to be, but friends, it's partial. Have a look at verses 1 and 2 again with me. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Notice this. The, The universe, the general revelation, it doesn't talk to you like a person talks to you, but it does say something. It's like a sign. Look at the language there. It declares the glory of God. It proclaims his handiwork. Someone once said, what is the universe? The universe is kind of really, ultimately, God's bling. It's like his jewelry, he wears it. We talked about this before a few weeks ago about kings and queens. When kings and queens put on robes, why is the robe so heavy? Why is it so ornate? Why is the crown so big? Why doesn't the queen or the king just walk around wearing the crown every day like I wear my okuba in the summer sun? Why, why, why not? It's so heavy, why is it heavy? It's all meant to be by its weight and size and ornation. It's all meant to show glory. It's never about the thing in of itself. The crown doesn't rule, it's the person under the crown, but the crown points to it. It's the bling of the glory of that person. The same with the universe. Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2. The universe is God's bling. It proclaims his handiwork. It's like the universe has that little circle with a TM in it. Trademark, God. And here we notice in these first few verses, this general revealing reveals something about him. The universe is not meant to be an end in and of itself. It's meant to be a sign to the maker. For example, we see this all the time. Uh, things reveal something about their maker. Like if you were to look at a slab of concrete, we've got a few concretes in our congregation. We're currently sitting on a very big slab of concrete. It's got history. It's got holes in it. It was a play centre. In case you're wondering, what was this once? Was this always a church building? No. Kids' play centre. What does the concrete reveal? If you tried to talk to the concrete, what would happen? People will probably not talk to you so much. You can't talk to the concrete, but you can know something about the maker of the concrete, can't you? What can you know? Whoever made that concrete loves a solid surface. What can the maker of a computer system tell you? They love a system that works. What can the maker of a meal tell you? Well, they love to make not just something that fills the stomach, but fills our nostrils, tantalizes our taste buds, moves us as we sweat through the chili. You see, the maker of something is, is pointed to in whatever's made. You can look at something that is made and you can know something, not everything, but something about the maker of that thing, can't you? You can do this for anything. And Psalm 19, the psalmist writes, You can know something about God from the universe. What does it reveal? Look at the universe. It shows that whoever made that is creative. General revelation is for revealing of things. It doesn't reveal specifics about the maker. It doesn't reveal personal things, but it reveals some things about the God who made the universe. Look at verse 3. Their voice goes throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. What does it reveal? It reveals about him, it reveals that there is a, there's a God who made this, that the, the words get through all the earth, that no matter where you live on the earth, you can know something about that God. People always say, like, it usually is a Christian conversation, but and probably in the halls of Bible colleges. What about those people in the deepest of darkest of Africa who have never heard about God? What about them? I'll say, well, just hang on a minute. A lot of people in the deepest, darkest in Africa, there's more Christians there now than there are probably here. So let's stop worrying about deepest, darkest Africa and start worrying about deepest, darkest Bendigo. But if we're going to talk about the people around the world, what does Psalm 19 say? Is it possible there's someone out there who's never seen any revelation of God, who's never seen any idea that there's possibly a God that made this world? No. Psalm 19 says that person doesn't exist. Wherever you live around the world, and friends, let me say this, because we love them, even if you're from Melbourne, even if you have to live down there, you can know about God. By looking at his creation. Because it exists in Melbourne. I've seen it. There's a river. But there's buildings, isn't there? And what else is there? There's people. You can't help but look at an image bearer, at a person. And instead of being road-raged against them, wonder about who made that person. Psalm 19 says, wherever you go in the world... That, those words, that revealing about God, you can know something about him wherever you are. Verses 4 to 6, Just like the sun rises and goes around the earth, the general revelation of God's creation goes through to the ends. Just like the sun blazes in Australian summer, there is nothing hidden from that general revelation. And Psalm 19, coupled with passages like Romans 1, we read from Romans 10, for a reason you'll see in a moment, but Romans 1, Psalm 19, put them together, what do we see? Does general revelation see us saved? Does general revelation reveal God that you can know him personally? It doesn't do that. What general revelation alone does is actually, in the end, condemn us. You need to go to Romans 1 to see this. So it's not on the screen or anything, but I'm going to go to Romans 1 and read this. So if you've got your Bibles there, you can use the contents page. Contents page is a great tool for getting to know your Bible. It really is. I recommend the contents page. Um, I reckon it's a, a great way to get to know your Bible. But go to Romans chapter 1. It's in the New Testament. And I want you to remember, we've just read Psalm 19, and now we're going to couple Psalm 19 with Romans 1. So the Bible is one coherent 66 books, God's book, God's library, his word, the scriptures. So these, these passages agree. The Bible doesn't conflict with each other because it's all authored by God, penned by people, but authored by God. And Romans 1 is just saying what Psalm 19 is, is kind of kicking out to say, this. Romans 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Pause. Now, what Romans 1 is saying, Romans is gearing up to say that all of us are sinful. All of us have turned away from God. Why? Verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. How? How has God revealed something to everyone in the world? Verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Pause. See this? People can look at the world, wherever you live in the world, and there's something you can know about God. That doesn't save us. That doesn't mean, well, if I just talk to the universe and perhaps if I just look at sunsets and just appreciate the God that made that, that would be enough. Now, there's something in Psalm 19 and Romans 1 that says this, It's only enough for... Let's keep reading. Verse 21, enough to see what? Verse 21, for although they knew God... They did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. It's a terrible exchange, isn't it? God makes the universe, he makes us. We saw this in our Genesis series, and what do we do? We say, yeah... We, we give the hand to God. I don't want you in my life. Happy to enjoy the sunsets, the sunrises. Happy with that. And wherever we are in the world, we can know a little bit about him. But what do we do? Do we choose to go towards him? We don't. At default position, you hit reboot on the human heart, it will always choose to go away from him. In fact, the writer of Romans, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, we suppress the truth. We've got an inkling, we know he's there, he made this, it's got to be a big God that made this big universe, but we'd rather suppress that truth and go the other direction. It's what theologians call the noetic effects of sin. So your nous, your mind, the effect of sin on the mind. There are scientists, there are people who look into the universe and discover wonderful things they see things that are way bigger than themselves. But just looking at that is not enough. In fact, all it does is see many people want to suppress the truth that the God who made it is there. Because we've exchanged the truth for a lie. Psalm 19 shows that general revelation is pretty, but it's partial. And in the end, it won't save you. It doesn't... Bring you into a personal, righteous relationship with God. We need something clearer. We need special revelation. And that's why we're in Psalm 19 today. Because in 2023, our region, Bendigo, Central Victoria, but not just them, it's not just people out there, people here, I need special revelation. I need to know God personally. Look at verse 7. There's a change now, almost like a change in gears. It changes from the first half of Psalm 19 speaking about the general revelation from creation and now speaks personally about a special revealing. And how does that special revealing come? Look at verse 7. Look at the words used. It's all about God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Look at the words. Words about God's word, commandment, rules. These are words that describe God's word revealed to us. Scripture, the Bible. What the psalmist writes is what we really deep down know is true. We know we need this. We need a real personal friendship with God. It's like It's like friendship at church. This morning you may be new visiting with us. As Ryan said earlier, a lot of people are away, so uh, this is summer for Australia, isn't it? Uh, Australia kind of shuts down over summer. Um, but for all sorts of place where we get to go on holidays and go different places. Get to visit other churches, meet new people. And friendships forming in that moment, like this morning, you're gonna meet someone new potentially, such so as a heads up. You're gonna meet someone you don't know that well. How are you gonna to get to know them? What do you need to get to know someone? It's like it's like dating. All of us not married or in dating situations, but over the years I've pastored and cared for young guys who want to date that girl, and they'll say, "Oh, she's beautiful. Oh, Oh, she's lovely. And 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 she, you know, she she walks in such a way that just lights up the room. Oh, wow, that's nice. That's nice." And the way that she wears those glasses just sets her face apart. That's this lovely. Um, do you know her? Oh, yeah. All right. How do you know her? Oh, because I, I just know that uh, she always gets her coffee at that coffee shop. Oh, that's lovely. I know that she has that type of Bible. Well, that's nice, isn't it? I know that she, she has those friends. Oh, all right. Do you know her? Oh, yeah. Do you? You can't know someone just by looking at them. What does our friend need? He needs to listen to her. He needs her to speak. Same as this morning of morning tea. You can't meet someone new and say, yeah, I got to know this person because I saw them. What do you need? You need to listen to them. And you need them to speak. You need special revelation. Special revelation We see in Psalm 19, God speaking and us listening, hearing his word, reading his word. The psalmist says in verse 7, notice, it revives the soul. More than a a sunset, a sunset can do all sorts of wonderful things to you, can't it? It really can be lovely. But nature can't revive your soul, your inner being. And our soul needing reviving indicates something, there's a problem with us. See, so if your soul doesn't need reviving, there's no problem. But why why would our soul need reviving? Why would we need verse 7 to be made wise? Why would our hearts need to rejoice? Because we live in a world that doesn't revive us, it drives us, it drives us down. We live in a world where wisdom is lacking. I will celebrate intelligence. But when it comes to wisdom and relating and love, we're lacking. We live in a world where we don't rejoice in our hearts. We live in a world a lot of people are just running on discouragement, hoping it'll go away. Psalm 19 shows there is a problem in us, among us. There's a problem and and we need help. And the help doesn't come from a sunset. It comes from God's word. It comes from him speaking to us and us hearing him, us listening to him personally, knowing him. A lot of people say, well, I don't think God's like that. I think God is like this. The God I know is like this. I mean, our, our premier says that, doesn't he? I don't think God is like that. Well, how would you know? It's like the guy talking about the girl he's never spoken to, but he's never listened to. The only way to know what God is really like is to listen to him at his word. There's no good guessing or imagining what God is like. In fact, have a look in the Old Testament. Every time people start imagining what God is like, how does that go for them? Badly. The word image and idol are pretty related. When we start imagining what God is like rather than actually looking and listening to what God is like, it's a problem. How would you like it if someone said, yeah, I know you, and this is what she's like, X, Y, and Z, this is what I think she's like. Does any of us like that? Does any of us appreciate someone telling someone else, I know what they're like? No, no. No one likes being talked about like that. No one likes being taken out of context. No one likes not being listened to. But the God we know who loves you, who saw the need for your reviving, rejoicing, for your joy, has come into this world to make himself known to you. He has come to speak to you. The one who made the things that reveal him generally has come to speak specially to you. And we see in these words here the way that's described. Verse 10 His word, His law, more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. God's word is to be desired. Why? Well, how are you going without it? I know when you're young, you feel like you're invincible and life's going to be okay. You start hitting middle age and you start feeling like, I'm just more anxious than I used to be. And look what other people are saying, and perhaps our leaders are saying in our world. Life is hard. If nature can be brutal, adult life can be brutal. Teenagers, you are going to need to keep listening to God as you grow. I know being a teen can be anxious enough. But we don't lose that kind of peer pressure and discouragement as adults. It continues. And I need to hear another voice. In all the voices and noise of our world, I need to hear God's voice cut through and say something that gives me hope and gives me reviving of my soul and helps me to rejoice even in sorrow. I need to hear him speak. I need to hear him speak when I know my sins. Verse 13. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. If my sin was to let go, it would take me. We saw this with Cain. It would want to have power over me. I need to hear God's word cut through that and help me see that my sin is dealt with and I don't need to be enslaved to it anymore. Because we see special revelation shows us ultimately how all is revealed in redemption. Have a look at verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If general revelation is pretty and partial, and yet leaves us just condemned because we know something about God that we turn away from him, look at this special revelation. It shows us that we need redeeming. We need rescue. But it also shows us God speaks to us and shows us how we get rescue. It's through a person, it's personally, it's through a Redeemer. You see verse 14? Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. Jesus Christ is the one where we get to know God personally. You see, if you're looking at a sunset, you're looking at creation, it's not personal enough. Not only does that sunset not speak back to you, doesn't relate to you with words, but that sunset can't do a thing about your sin. That sunset can't heal your fractured marriage. That sunset can't fix the broken friendships you once had, the friendship you had. thats Now, how did that happen? How did that conflict just happen? One thing to the next. Next thing, I don't know what is it. The sunset, the creation, nature can't fix that. Nature can't fix the problems you have where you say things you didn't mean to say that to hurt people and you, you, you don't know why. You're, you're just kind of feeling these things. Nature can't do a thing about that, but Jesus can, because Jesus comes into the world and he says, you want to know God? He's here. He has come to reveal God. He's come to speak. Speak, O Lord, for us to listen and to see what he does, because he's how he reveals God. The God that we know, the God that made the universe, is the one who came to do what sunsets and sunrises can't ever do. He came to die for sinners. He came to redeem them, to rescue them. And then he did what no one else has done or could do. He came to raise new life, give hope forever. We read Romans 10 as our cross reference passage earlier. And Romans 10, we read where Psalm 19 is quoted how beautiful are the feet that bring good news. Our world doesn't need more Instagram of sunrises and sunsets or whatever else. That's lovely. What our world needs is the Redeemer. They need to know Him personally. They need to listen to Him that He's come to love them and lay His life down for them and rescue them. And we need to hear Him. I need Psalm 19 because I'm one that needs my soul reviving. I know what it's like to come to church and just feel like oh, it's just life is hard, the week has been hard, Sunday morning's been hard I need this you need this you need God to revive your soul you need him to see that the one who is innocent took on the cross so that you can be declared righteous the gospel is not how To live a good life, it's how the good life was lived for you. And the reason we mix that up is we're not listening to God and his gospel. And we listen to everything else instead. How can you know God personally? Meditate on the message of the gospel. Now we live in a world that meditation is seen as emptying my mind and, well, looking at nature. But that won't help you. That's not meditation. Meditation here is we read the psalmist writes this Verse fourteen Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. It's when you actually fill your mind with God's word. Because what's going on normally in our week, even Sunday morning? What's going on is this our minds are full to overflowing of everything else that's causing us heartache, pain and problems. Our minds are full of our busyness and distraction of things that tear at us or tear us down. Our minds are full and had up to hear with everything else that is being said to us or by us, by the way. What we need is to hear God's voice and meditate on it. Believe it to start with and be living every day, breathing it. This is what we need. A couple of things to finish, or three things to finish. We've got a saying around here we say before every sermon usually, if you want to hear God speak, open a Bible. Why do we say that? Because we know the city we live in. That is not a common thing to be said around here. People say, I want to hear God speak, I'll wait for his still small voice. Misquoting a psalm in the process. And yet we've been given his voice. See the problem with waiting to hear God speak, kind of him to speak into your mind and speak into your heart is it's so subjective. You might as well look at a sunset. Here's why. And I I, I say this, this is this is my gentle joke. My gentle joke with dear friends that hold that attitude that I think God speaks out here to me rather than here in the Bible is this. Because it's been said to me often, and this is, this, our region is big on this, God told me this about you or whatever else. It's so subjective, here's how you could reply. If God told me this over here, what you do is this. Hang on a minute. Oh, I've got an update. You're wrong. You see? If God told you over here, outside of God's word, what's to stop me saying, well, I just got an update, message 2.0, and that's, see how the problem, it's so subjective. But we have scripture. We've got Jesus. Of all the people in the Bible who say this is God's unbroken word, who says that? Jesus. Of all the people that quotes this as God's word, who does that? Jesus. It's Jesus who comes to us personally and then says, this is how you get to know God personally. You don't need to guess about God. Just guessing about God is groping in the dark. And in the end, it's so conflicted and subjective. And how do you know? Here's how you know. In a world of confusion and mess, here's how you get to hear God speak clearly. Secondly, what does that mean for our church? It means for our church, we want to be a church of disciple makers. How do you make disciples? Disciples. Again, this is a, perhaps this is our region, this is our thing, but I think we all want to make disciples, but often how we do that matters. And I, I hear a lot about making disciples is about being friends. That's true. Just being kind of being in an environment of friends. But Jesus tells us how to make disciples, and how do you do it in Matthew 28? Teaching people his word. We want to be a whole church where this happens not just in the preaching but the teaching one another in one-to-ones over coffee that we'd open a bible and and read a few verses and pray for one another we'd talk about the bible over morning tea we'd read the bible we'd know where to find things in my hour of need we'd have groups we'd go along and encourage one another with the bible we'd have our leaders our elders who were able to teach teaching the bible to our children to our church to teenagers we want to be a church that's making disciples with god's word and lastly What do we want for our friends? A lot of our friends, a lot of our wider families, mine included, get to enjoy sunsets and sunrises. But right now, today, without Jesus, we'll not get to enjoy God forever. What do they need? They don't need just another look at creation. They need to look at Jesus. Jesus. They need to hear his voice and his word. They need to hear the gospel, believe it, and meditate on it. God is speaking to you. Let's take the time to listen. Let's pray and thank him for his word. Our gracious God and Father, thank you for sending your Son special revelation personified, Jesus Christ, our Saviour, our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Oh, Father, we thank you that we don't need now to guess about you. We don't need to imagine what you are like because we get to hear and listen to what you are like, to who you are and how you are Saviour. We thank you. We don't need to grope in the dark, but we get to read your word in the light. And Father, right now, we know that for 2023, many of us have challenges ahead. We've lived them in 2022. We pray that we would find going to your word, that place that revives our soul, because that's where we go first. Help us to read the Bible, to meet Jesus, for he has come to us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.